as we have been studying, and as you know, the subject that the Holy Spirit is dealing with is one that's completely relevant to now. The area of sexuality is always relevant. It's in every generation, that particular topic seems to be current. It's never out of timing because there's always young people who are coming up and they are experiencing the throes of life. They are beginning to feel the young men, their urges, the, the impulses within. The young ladies begin to see development in their physical and emotional life. So this topic of sexuality is always current. And it's a shame that more Christians don't deal with it sooner. I can tell you stories, and I'm sure you could tell me stories, of how many persons in the current church market area that have experienced all kinds of sexual encounters. The Holy Spirit is speaking. Let him speak. And they experienced first, many persons came to Christ after the fact. Some came after the fact, 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 if you know what I'm talking about. And then finally they understood God's plan for their body. They finally read the scripture and understood that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when they discovered the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, they stopped giving it to the devil. Did I say that in church? Yes, I'll say it again, actually. When they discovered the purpose, the sanctity, the incredible gift that God gave man in giving him his sexuality, they stopped giving it to the devil and giving it to the world. Mm -hmm. Those who were sincere, they said, Daddy, I didn't know. I didn't know the purpose. I didn't, I didn't know the reason. I didn't know it was that important to you and that valuable. You see, he, God put sex in relationship. He planted it there for his own purposes. Young men, young ladies, older men, older ladies. He put it there so that we would discover his model, his method, his way. So I don't stand in front of you as some great person who has never done wrong. That is not true. But I stand here to tell you God's word is forever settled in heaven. And it is when you and I come to his word and say, Daddy, God, I accept your version of the story. No matter what version I had before, now I want your version. And I say that to encourage. I say that to exhort. I, I say that to push some folks because some people are willfully sinful. They know what God's word says. Some of them are pastors, unfortunately. Some of them have girlfriends in the church where they're pastoring. I'll say it again. This should not be, ladies and gentlemen. It shouldn't be happening. But unfortunately, it is. And we who love truth, can I see a show of hands of those who love truth? All right. Thank God for a complete audience that loves truth. Those who love truth do not look away from truth. Those who love truth, look at it. 
Don't look away. Look at it. The word of God. The Bible says the word is a mirror. And if you open the mirror of the word and you look into it, it will show you who you really are. It will give you a clear reflection. Amen. So the, the reason why we're saying this is that we know we're dealing with a particular topic. The topic is gay or not. But we must not delude ourselves as if we're making this group or this subject so vile and separated from us as if we are so different. We are all, but for the grace of God, lost sinners. It is only God's grace that has us sitting here. So we're not sitting here looking down on some other group saying, oh, those dirty people over there. No, 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 beloved. We are saved by grace. Amen. Through faith. Yes. Not by works. It's the gift of God. Lest anyone should boast. Are you understanding? Are you understanding? Yes, that's what has us here. So as we begin this conversation today, again, I don't want to... to, to Repreach what's already been preached. Those who will come online can look or listen rather to the podcast from last week. But today we're going to take a particular journey. And this journey should get us further along the way in understanding what it is we're dealing with here and why it is so important that we come to this place. So where we're starting today is just want to be loved. That, that, that is the first line. Let it settle for a minute. Just want to be loved. What does that conjure up in your minds when you hear those words? Just want to be loved. The caption says there, we all just want to be appreciated and loved. That's all most people want. Now, how many commercials, movies, books, videos, uh, music videos, do you hear over and over and over people are talking about love. I just want to be loved. Find somebody to love. Love come. I can't even name all the songs. There's so many versions of love, love, love. And you look at, are you really talking about love? Are you talking about sex? There was a time when you said the word love. I know you young guys uh, and gals don't, don't understand. But there was a time when people said love. They actually meant love. In your generation, you hear the word love. They're talking about getting between the sheets. They totally changed what the word meant. It used to mean something coming from the heart going to someone else. Now it means somebody getting physically together, or you could say, hey, hook up, make love to me, make love to them, love all. They're not talking about love, ladies and gentlemen. They're talking about sex. So when you change the word, you change the meaning of the word, you prevent people from understanding what the real word means. Are you, are you kidding? So just by changing what does love mean, generation after generation have lost the plot 
when kids back in those days were in school, they would write on a little piece of paper, do you love me, yes or no? And slide the note over to that girl with the big braids <laughs> on ponytails. And hopefully the little guy was hoping she was going to tick yes. <laughs> Many a broken heart has happened when the note came back saying no. <laughs> because she didn't even know what is love. What is love? You got the cooties. What is that? You got a feeling. What is that? Oh, she looked at me. She likes me. I think she loves me. Oh, come on, you poor little fella. It doesn't work like that. But many a deluded person came home with their chest sticking out, smiling ear to ear, and their mom said, what happened to you today? Nothing. And I see the little rosy peck where she kissed you on the cheek, and you're just full of pride because somebody gave you a peck. Those were the days. Now children can go during school hours and have an abortion and never tell their parents. Get contraceptive, birth control, condoms, and start having and practicing sex and never tell their parents. And the school condones it, encourages them trying to tell 10-year-old and 12-year-old children how to put condoms on a banana. Folks, this is the real, real world that we're living in here. So the Christian cannot be blind. So just want to be loved. I have a very clear message. I want, I want this message to be heard because the Holy Spirit gave this word. First Samuel, I like that name, 18... <laughs> One, two, three, from the King James read. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul, listen very well, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, I've, I've given you all the clues because the clues are already there. But if the clues were not there, and I want to say to you, out of all of the types of love there are, what type of love is this? Now, you understand because you're Bible scholars that the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and that the New Testament was written in Greek. So in, in the Greek vernacular, in the Greek vocabulary, there are several words that mean love, right? If you direct your gaze, again, to the model we have there, Jonathan was in love with David. Let me pause for a minute for effect. Many persons in the quote-unquote gay lifestyle have taken this very scripture to justify their relationship and say it's in the Bible. Jonathan and David were gay lovers. It says he loved him. And they, again, what do we first say? When you change the meaning of the word, you're incapable of understanding what the word actually means. So if you change the meaning of the word love 
to be sex, if you read love in the Bible, you think they're getting it on. Because in your mind, love means, oh, they're having sex together. He loved him. It says he loved him. The word used is phileo. Jonathan phileoed David. Philea refers to brotherly love and is most often exhibited in a close friendship. I don't know how many say, oh, my best friend, my mate. Best friends will display this generous and affectionate love for each other as each seeks to make the other happy. There's nothing homosexual about it. It's a close bond, in this case, between two men who had a common goal and a common purpose. What was that? Well, they're both young men trying to see the future. Mm -hmm. they're, they're both young men trying to find their destiny in life. Jonathan saw the anointing on David's life. He saw the energy. He saw the motivation. This is a guy who was willing to fight a giant. I look up to him, even though he's my equal in a sense. I look up to him. Why? Because he knows God in a way that I would like to know God. Amen. This guy's a psalmist. He plays the harp. He sings songs unto God. He writes songs in the dead of night under the stars with sheep. He's the kind of guy that I want to be around. Let me challenge you. If you've got friends in your life that you do not admire, they shouldn't be there. That's a tough one. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you've got friends in your people you're calling friends, and there's nothing about their life that you admire, I didn't say be jealous over, I said admire. Amen. There's nothing in their character. Nothing in, in, in their, their personality, their persona, nothing in how they carry themselves that you actually admire. You're in the wrong crowd. Let me say that again for those online. You're in the wrong crowd. Your friends, the Bible says, as iron sharpeneth iron, so the countenance of a man his friend. Friendship is supposed to agitate you to better. I'm talking about competition. This world is filled with competition. Competitors. I'm talking about being competitive. Sports is filled with competitors. Jocks jockeying against each other. I am not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who's helping you towards your goals in God. That's your friend. Your friend tells you the truth. Doesn't lie to you to make your ego feel boosted. No, your friend says, look, you have an outstanding personality, but there is something right here in this little corner that is so annoying. If you, <laughs> if you would just change that, you'd be a better guy, you'd be a better girl. Hey. That's your friend. Mm -hmm. That's your friend, you see. The wounds of a friend are Faithful, they will tell you the truth. 
But if your friends are only yes men, everything you say is yes sir, yes sir, yes sir. Oh come, that's wonderful. Oh wonderful, wonderful. That's wonderful. Oh, oh you're just brilliant. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. Oh my, get away from me. That's that's annoying. Even hearing it. Your friends is pulling out the best in the relationship, and you should be doing the same. Do you challenge your friends when they're wrong? Do you have enough courage to say, brother, sister, you know I love you, right? Yes, okay, let me tell you this. Not because I'm perfect, but because God is allowing me to see. That's another hint. These, these are things that God is just stacking up on the side for us to have, okay? This is how you qualify your relationships. If God is not talking to you about the person that you're calling your friend, that's another clue that that person is not your friend. God reveals to me things about the people I call friends. And he reveals things about me to those who are my friends. Why? We're his children. We're kingdom citizens. We're under the same household. We belong to the same father. If I asked a brother in this room, which I'm not going to mention the name of the brother, do you know anything about that guy over there? Anything at all? <laughs> I'm sure you know quite a bit. You may even know some things that... Uh, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> you're supposed to know. That's your brother. If your brother is in problems, what do you do? You stand up for them. That's my brother. Now, in the body of Christ, could you imagine how lovely it would be if we all acted like that? And anytime something's happened to you, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to help you. You're my brother. Not, well, I'll see you later. When you work it out, let me know. Give me a call. Come here, call me. No, don't call me. Text me. Just text me. That's not a brother. Jonathan and David. Jonathan and David swore oaths to each other to have each other's, as we say, have their back. This is phileo, ladies and gentlemen. This is an intimate and a strong bond. There is nothing, I repeat, gay or homosexual about it. Eros. And these are not in order. I'll give you the order after we finish. But these are not in order. The other Greek word used for love is eros. It is passion or sexual love. Eros is the source of the English word erotic. Well, you also have another word, eroticism. And all of that that comes out of that, it is purely about sex. This, ladies and gentlemen, are what most persons, I could say 99.9%, of the secular world is calling love. Mm -hmm. When they're saying love, they're talking about eros. Mm -hmm. They're talking about passion of the flesh. They're not talking about phileo. They're talking about that area. Mm -hmm. To the point that the pornography industry is a billion dollar, pound, yen, whatever currency market you change, in that country, pornography is in the billions. Doesn't even matter what country it is. It crosses borders. It crosses every international line. When the Great Ball came down, 
in Russia? What, what was the first thing rushing across the, the wall? Pornography. As soon as net neutrality goes into any nation, as soon as there's net freedom, internet freedom in any country, the first, one of the first things that goes across, it's not humanitarian aid. It's not charity. It's pornography. Right now in Washington, thank you, Lord God, for those listening online, they are discovering a hive, a network of porn pedophilia that's in the nation's capital. And high-ranking government officials are selling boys and girls for the purpose of sex in the nation's capital. Eros, sexual love. The next Greek word for love is storge. It is an affectionate love, the type of love one might have. I like the way this definition says might. It should should say ought to. One might have for family or spouse. It is a naturally occurring, unforced type of love. I heard a, a, a pastor say one time, we love who we love. You, you just fall in love with someone, you love them. You cannot control it. You just do. Why do you love that boy? Why do you love that girl? I, I, I just love them. That's Storge working there. Husbands and wives, I, I Storge you. Now, that doesn't mean you can only pick one out of the list. Don't, don't mix it up. You may have all, and in a proper relationship, you will have all of them going at the same time. If it's a, we're gonna, I'm gonna explain that later. I kind of said it now, but anyway, you'll see that love working, and depending on what the circumstance is, one of these loves will kick in in your relationship, right? Father, help me say this with grace. The husband approaches his wife, and he is in eros. <laughs> The wife turns to him in phileo. I'll let you work out why that could be a problem. Oh, ah, damn. We are not talking about the same kind of love, are we, right now? So one is thinking, hey, Eros. And the wife is sticking her hand out to give a handshake. How are you, brother? <laughs> God, the Lord bless you. And uh, anyway, the rest of that is on the adult class. It is clean, but, but it highlights how we sometimes get it wrong and why our relationships don't go as smooth because we're operating in different areas of love. And you're saying, oh, I, well, I thought we need to talk more. That's the solution to get on the same page so we know we're talking about the same kind of love right now. Amen? That's five in the balcony. Amen up there. Yes? Yes, yes. Sir. Agape, the greatest of them all. That's why I said we, we, these are not in order, but they are succinct. And there's another statement after this. Agape speaks of the most powerful, the noblest type of love, the, the sacrificial love. Agape love is more than a feeling. It is an act of the will. 
This is the love that God has for his people. Oh, that's amazing. Mm. That prompted the sacrifice of his only, I should say, begotten son, Jesus, for our sins. Jesus himself was agape love personified. When you're looking at Jesus, you're you're looking at agape. When you're looking at Jesus, you're looking at agape love. That is a picture. Why? Because he goes on the cross for us all. What greater love hath any man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends? That is the greatest. So if you were to be a student of the word and to have a balanced life, what is the correct order here, ladies and gentlemen? Which, which one of these loves should be first? Hey, glory to God. I'm glad everybody's awake. Agape would be first. Should be first. Because when your relationship with God is right, you can then turn to your brother, your sister, or your other. Now, after agape, you should be moving into storge. Why? That's your family. I've had enough of people pretending to be so in love with God, but they can't talk to their husband, they can't talk to their wife, can't talk to their kids. You can talk to Jesus all day and float around on a cloud, but the person that you're married to or living with in a household, what do they get? They get the leftovers. They get your anger. They get your frustration. They get your criticism. Well, wait a minute. You were just telling Jesus how wonderful he was. Do I get one wonderful? For those who are listening online, you can sit back down now. (laughs) How in the world is it that you can love God and tell him how beautiful, how wonderful, how magnificent he is, but you can't turn to your husband or your wife and say, you look cute today, dear. Glad you shaved. <laughs> I'm just putting something out here. But you understand what I'm saying? So after this great agape experience, you've been to the mountaintop and talked to Jesus. Now come down and talk to us. Save some of that kindness for me. Are you understanding? This is to the world. Don't, don't, don't anyone think, oh, this is, no. This is to the world. This is the body of Christ. After that comes What? Phileo. It's a natural order. It's a natural order. And I'll, and I'll tell you why in a minute. If you're, and I, this is for, again, the adults who are listening. You young people, you'll have to get there uh, one day, but not now. If your husband or your wife is not your best friend, you've got work to do. You've got a lot of work to do. Your husband, your wife must be your best friend. Someone that you can confide in and tell them everything without feeling ashamed or embarrassed. Are you going to hurt me? If you can't be vulnerable with your husband and your, or your wife, you either marry the wrong person or, as I said, you have a lot of work to do to bring that relationship around. If you're keeping secrets, again, remember, folks, this is going out to the world, not just us in this place, okay? So if you hear something that's sharp, understand that the world has to hear this. So if your relationship is, you can't, you're hiding little details. I've heard, oh, so many men say, I didn't want to tell her because mm, 
I, I didn't want to hurt her, or I, I didn't want I didn't want her to worry. You know, I, I didn't want her to know that I've taken the family savings and 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 bought a a herd of elephants in South Africa. I just didn't want to. See, she might get upset. <laughs> Do you think? If you took all of your money and bought a herd of elephants in South Africa, you think she might get a little bit upset at that? Unless you're planning on starting a circus, why did you do that? And the men I have talked to, and, and I, I find myself slapping my forehead, saying, oh my God, did you tell your wife? No. Oh, Jesus, help me. Let me get down now. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of a way to get that brother back on the right route. And I'm, I'm stunned at some of the things men tell me that they have done and not told their wife. I'm the Jesus, how are we going to fix No, how are you going to fix this? Because I am just an observer, an observer at this point, and a facilitator. I'm making light of it to show you a very real issue when men and women come together in Christ. They're supposed to leave all their secrets behind. Are you understanding? Leave your secrets. And if there's something that you cannot bring and show to your beloved, you need to ask the question, why not? What is it about that thing that you can't share with your husband that God sent you or your wife that God sent you? You're telling everybody, God sent me this person, but you can't tell them all? I know I'm digging. Again, we're talking about gay or not, but folks, this conversation is for everybody. Amen. Again, we're not just pointing all those people over. No, this is for everyone. So when we get to now Eros, all of that is cleared out of the way. So you won't have a situation whereby, listen well, young people, married individuals, are you understanding all of you who are unmarried? I'm talking about the married folks now. When you get to the bed of passion, the Bible says the marriage bed is what? Honorable and undefiled. What does that mean? That means it's holy. All right? It's holy. The marital bed between the married husband and the married wife is holy. So by the time you get to Eros, agape, storge, phileo are all in place. And you won't have someone having sex. They'll be truly making love to their husband, to their wife, under the watchful eye of God. And for those who freak out about the fact, oh, God, me, you might see me naked. Oh, dummy, he sees you naked all the time. You think because you're wearing those little rags from Versace that he can't see through that? Come on. <laughs> I'm just being real, okay? Oh, the Lord might see. Well, when you went to the toilet yesterday, where was God? <laughs> Thank you. So he's observing what? Your Sacrifice. So those praying hands that were in agape, worshiping God, are now those praying hands holding your beloved before the Father. And it's pure. It's holy. It's not some cheap 
fumble and fiddle behind Joe's pawn shop. Are you understanding? This is the real deal that the church should be talking about. And this is going to come to fruition just now. So why did you go that way, Pastor? Well, let me tell you, I heard an interview of an ex-lesbian. It was a fascinating interview. She's now a born-again Christian. I really enjoyed it. Why? Because she said something that I needed to hear. What did she say? She said, Christians focus so much on sex when it comes to the homosexual lesbian conversation. But the homosexual and the lesbian are focusing on relationship. Most of them. Not all. Because we will show you later, there are gradients. There, there are grades of individuals we could point to in any camp, right? But she said that it was relationship. What we started talking about with, with Jonathan and David? Relationship. It was relationship that she was after. And that this woman was showing her the kind of tenderness and relationship she couldn't find with men. Why? Because all the men she was meeting were down here in Eros. They just wanted, wanted sex. They, they weren't reaching down into the, into the phileo part. They weren't, they weren't touching. So she found herself being drawn in. She said she first started to start going to the, the, the gay clubs. And she noticed how the women were treating her nice and coming over and, and talking to her. And then before you know it, there's a conversation between you and someone and you just hit it off and it's like, well, how can this be wrong if it feels so good? How many times have you heard that? As if feeling good was justification for doing it. And I said, Lord, look at this. Now this, this is important. So when you're about to blast someone for their lifestyle and all you're focusing on is their sin, whatever that sin may be, you may run right past the person on your way to attacking what they're doing. Now, does that justify what they're doing? No, not in a million years. It is still exactly what it was before I just said what I said. But put that in your mind to understand. God, you think God is telling you all this? So you can sit on your uh, hibiscus and uh, do nothing? <laughs> no, he's telling you because you're about to be introduced to some people, if you don't already know them, who are on that side of the fence. And your witness has got to change. You can't use 1994's witness. That one is done. That's the new word that's in the house. There's a time for us to stand up now because the persons who are coming are coming right to us and daring us to understand what we believe the Bible to say about this issue. So we're saying to every person, I know you want to be loved. Are you understanding? We're saying that to every person who is in the trans, gendered, homosexual, bisexual, lesbian, wherever they are on the spectrum, I'm saying by the power of the Holy Spirit, we, the church, the body of Christ, we know that you want to be loved. Who doesn't? Show me someone, unless it's a sadist or somebody, who does not want to be loved? Who in here does not want to be appreciated or thanked when they've done, when they've done something? 
Who does not want to be patting on the shoulder and say, I'm with you. I care about you. I, I feel with you. Who doesn't want that, ladies and gentlemen? Everybody does. So before the devil puts you off talking to that girl, talking to that boy, looking down your long self-righteous nose, again, remember, we're talking to the world. I believe that the folks in here have that kind of love already. I believe you are agape people. I, that's what I believe. Now, you may prove me wrong one day, but that's what I believe. As I, as I said here, I believe you are agape people. So we already know that we love every rusty, nasty. I remember the first time I witnessed to a guy on the streets and I looked and the breath that came out of his mouth, I had to stand on one leg and say, Woo, Lord, have mercy. And the, and the, and the smell of unwashedness. I said, this is a test. Yes, it is. Do you love me now? This is Jesus asking me. Can you see my face? I'm looking at the guy's mouth and his snaggled teeth and hair is matted. And Jesus is saying, can you see me now? Can you see me? Oh, that's, that's, that's heavy. That got me. I said, yes, Jesus, I can see you. It took a while. Recovered from smell. I can see you, Lord. But I got there in the end. I had to work through it, but I got there. And I began to say, see people differently from that day. So the test is coming here to us. So we hear you, young man, young woman. I heard someone saying, they don't understand me at the church. They don't understand me. They don't get me. They, they, they can't talk to me. They act nervous when I come around. They don't know how to, they don't know how to, where, where, where to put their hands in your pocket, on your head. Uh, they don't know which way to turn. Should, uh, uh, what are we doing? Go back to basics. Unless I'm wrong, that person is a human being. I could be wrong. But I believe that's a human being. So go back to basics. I hate sin. I love people. Say it for those in the back. I hate sin. I love people. I'll say it a third time. I hate sin, but I love people. So go back to basics and remind yourself, I'm talking to a human being. Confused? Maybe. Hurt? Probably. Angry? Most likely. They've already judged what I'm going to say before I say it. Like many Christians already judge what they're going to say before they say it. And sometimes we do it to each other. Hear what I'm saying before you judge it. Strain your ear. Can you hear my heart? Or just looking at my clothes. Or my sideways haircuts. Or my shoes. Are you seeing? Holy Spirit. Thank you for that kind of love. Oh, it's got me right there. That's what Christ saw on the cross, ladies and gentlemen. He saw us in every condition, and he stayed there. He wouldn't come down because he saw. If I come off of this cross, it's over. They'll never have a chance. And he's trying to get that into us that we see beyond 
So yes, we hear you. We are coming to help you. We are coming to help you. That's why we're saying what we're saying, not to, not to put you in a bad place, but to put you in a place where you can understand. God have mercy. Oh, Father God, help me get my bearings, Holy Spirit. Goodness. That just went all over me. This went all over me. Just that, that level of, of care. How did you get there? How did you become in that place? Mm. There are several roads. If I were to ask you, how do you get to city center? Well, depending on your knowledge of the city, you would tell me any number of ways. But I can guarantee you there's more than one way to get to the same place. Hello? There's more than one way to get to the same destination. So people are coming to this lifestyle from a number of locations. And we're going to see a few of them. And don't anyone think for one minute that, that this is exhaustive and this is all the way. No. We're only laying out a handful. There are those who claim to be, to be born this way. That person who claims that from their earliest remembrance, their sexual identity conflicted with their gender assignment. They look between their legs and say, I know it looks like boy, but I feel like girl. Or I know it looks like girl, but I feel like boy. Yet the spiritual influence from birth is possible. We'll get to that by God's grace. Number two, those who became as a result of some sex encounter. I, we heard the song by the, the young lady. I don't have to go deep into it, but if I just mention the title, you'll know she said, I kissed a girl and I liked it. So that encounter turned into an awareness. It turned into a door being opened that was formally shut. So from this sexual encounter, that also includes sexual rape, the number of men, especially in our our prisons, our penal systems are filled with men raping men. There's no female there. And in women's prisons, it's the other way around. Women raping women. Being, they, they use the word turned out. You didn't start out that way, but by the preponderance of people, there was one young guy they had to interview, and he had given him, they had changed his name. He, he wore his hair long, and everybody knew him as a girl in that prison block. And everybody referred to him as a girl. And what did he do? He settled into the lifestyle. And he's going around, not only him, but him and others, servicing all of these men. He adapted to the circumstance. Those decided that they would become. We'll explore that one as well. You have what's referred to as the late bloomer. Those are males or females who grow up. They never had a same-sex partner. They have been married to the opposite sex. They have, a lot of times, kids. I know several, I can tell you right now, whose mother, in most cases it was women, but I've also seen in men, mother was married to the father, had children, raised a family, got a divorce, and suddenly they said, I'm gay. I'm gay. 
plus 30, plus 30. And suddenly they went from being supposedly in a heterosexual relationship to now all of a sudden they're wearing a skirt and saying, I'm gay. And you're like, well, how, how does this happen? How is it that you've gotten through your whole life and now suddenly you, you're batting for the same team? We're, we'll explore. We will explore this thing. Gay or trans or bi. Then you have the masculine or feminine. This is the, what is called, now I, give, give, I'm giving you the vernacular. Do not write me or, or, well you can write me if you want to, we'll have a conversation about it. I will talk to anyone. I will debate with anyone. But I won't argue with anyone. Because the, the Bible is right. So there's no argument. But I will talk to every person. But they use the term butch or camp. And the butch is the female who makes the appearance of being a man. In most cases, they buzz their hair, put on biker boots. I'm giving you the extreme, okay? And in, if they're in a lesbian relationship, they will be acting like a man. Which I've always wondered, if you are lesbian, why are you taking on the mantle of a man? Does that make any sense? Why, why are you pretending like you're the guy in the relationship if you're just pro-women? So ridiculous. You say, oh, we don't believe in, a, in the traditional relationship of men and women. Then why are you, one is wearing a tie with a buzz cut and the other's in a dress? And everybody's, oh, you're the man in the relationship. And they're smiling like, yes. And I'm like, what? how confusing is that? You come out of a relationship with a man, and then you turn around and dress like a man and say, what? What are you saying? So the masculine, feminine, butch, or camp routine, the camp guy is the, the one who is, quote, sugary sweet, who is very flamboyant, very flirty. We, uh, look, I love Britain the same way you love Britain. But when I came here and saw the number of night, late night shows with cross-dressing, flamboyant gay men. I said, what is going on? And these guys have history of 20 years, some of them. I'm not going to name any names because I don't want, I want to uh, promote them, but you know who I'm talking about. And they have late-night shows, and, and everyone is, is just buzzing about them. One of them is Dame, fill in the blank, blah, blah, blah. And they come on with their jewelry and their purple. I said, this is a... This is a what is going on? And it's others being flamboyant, being very, very flamboyant. Again, these are classifications, being flirty or being aggressive. Now, the one that's not there, which we'll have to come to later, is the trans group. That's a whole nother discussion. We'll get into that by God's grace and his instruction later. But what you have there is an outlay of the general specifications of how persons got into or came through the gay, homosexual, lesbian lifestyles. And I believe that that's a broad covering because all of the ones I've spoken to, listened to interviews, listened to testimonies, how they got into where they are is covered by one of these four. Especially among the youth, you'll find a high number of young men. And you, I'm not telling you to go do it, 
but there are resources online of them showing their transformation videos going from looking like a straight-laced young boy taking their hormone therapy turning into a young girl some of them go so far as to actually have the gender re reassignment surgery are you understanding and then at the end you see you're looking at and I can tell you not to be in any way vulgar young men in some of these cases unless you actually have an affidavit from a doctor you would not be able to tell some of these persons were not born female that's, that's, that's not a, to scare you that's to make you aware that you are emerging into a world that is filled with different types of characters you need the Holy Spirit to guide you to your wives young ladies you need the Holy Spirit to tell you when the man from God is standing in front of you and I'm not trying to take over any parents duties I am telling every parent and I'm telling every young person that what you're hearing inside is the truth we have a few more minutes we'll introduce the next slide and then we will wrap up there because it is I know quite uh, alarming this is a question that's being raised were you born this way is that the way God made you really is, is that really did God get confused and he was looking at the newspaper while mixing body parts, and all of a sudden he dropped something down. Oh, wow! <laughs> I just have to push that one out. I'll catch the next one. <laughs> Did God do this? Did God put boy in man body? Put girl in boy body? Oh, wait a minute. Was that pink or was it blue? I can't remember. Oh, man. Who changed the labels on my human body parts? Did God do that? This is where the Spirit comes in. We'll read the scripture. We'll pray. I want you to go away. Take the scripture with you. Pray over it during the week. We'll come back together by God's grace. Luke 1, 14 through 16, King James Version. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at, the, at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. You have just been introduced to Exhibit A. Can a spirit go into a child before it's born? Answer, yes. Doesn't matter what kind of spirit. Here is the Holy Spirit. All truth is parallel. So if the Holy Spirit can enter a body in the mother's womb, an unholy spirit can enter a body in the mother's womb. And there are enough witches who have testified as to which spirits they have sent into people before they're born. And you have what's called breeders, women who are giving birth to children for the occult. Folks, this is real. 
So we are about to look at this gender, genetic, altering fashion that is happening, but I want you to be introduced to a line of truth that's in your Bible that the spirit is able to enter the womb before the child is born. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the revelation knowledge of the word of God. Amen. We thank you that you are the God who answers by fire. Yes, Father, we thank you that you never leave us in the dark. You never leave us blind, but you cause us to see the truth. Yes, Daddy, let this word sink down into the spirits of every person. Yes, let no devil, no evil angel, no bird Take away this seed of the word. Let it go down into every hearer. Let them digest, comprehend, and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Cause them to go back and to re-listen and to study and to hear clearly what the Holy Spirit has put before us. Daddy God, open our eyes even more and more. Show us how we can be effective in witnessing to every person, even especially those in this community, without fear, without anger, without doubting, but trusting you to give us what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and to whom to say it. In the mighty name of Jesus, protect the young, protect the small ones, protect yes. the innocent, those yes. who are having difficulty with this issue. Protect them from the enemy who would try to override their senses and put too much information into them. Help them digest it, Daddy God, that they may be warned, they may be aware. Help their parents wherever they are right now. Help their parents, wherever they are, when they hear this word, to speak to their children in love and in truth. To help them understand the world that they are living in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Find your neighbor. Put your arms around them. Tell them they are secure in Christ.